Good morning, church. What a privilege it is to spend a beautiful morning with such beautiful people. Um, I just want to open in prayer. I, I really am excited about what God is going to do this morning. He's started a work. I just believe as we go throughout today's service that God just wants to outpour more of his spirit upon us and, and just show his, us his heart. And Father, we just come before you humbly this morning. God, we thank you that you are a God of mercy and love. And God, that you brought us the Holy Spirit. Lord, you went up to heaven, but you sent us down the Spirit. Lord, who's our helper and our advocate. And this morning, we just pray that you would, by your Spirit, impart a word of truth and knowledge that will shake something in us. God, that will change something at us in the foundational level, that we can be your witnesses, God, in power and in truth. Amen. And so, as I mentioned, I hope point, it always is a privilege. Thank you for this opportunity. This morning, I have a word that I believe God has prepared in advance for us to hear. And I say us because every time I get up here, and you can ask anyone who does have the opportunity to share or stand on stage, that God is doing a work in all of us this morning. And Pastor Jed spoke last week and a couple of weeks ago, mentioned that we're going to spend some time looking at the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to continue that this morning. Just as we do, I want to commend Phyllis and, and Carol and Pastor Jed this morning, just being on the pulse of what God wants to tell us this morning. I could really sit down because they've pretty much spoken my sermon already before I've gotten up here. But you can see there from the picture, this morning, guys, I'm going to tell you the end before I even start. We're going to come to a place where we just come into the arms of the Father as little children. And he is going to download in something into our hearts, something special, something unique this morning, something new, as Phyllis said. And you know, in uh, the chapter 1 of the book of Acts, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's a powerful scripture. But you know, it's, some people can sit there and, and look at the scripture and go, that's, that's a wonderful scripture. Isn't it awesome that Jesus gave his power to his disciples so that they can be witnesses in their community, so that they can make a difference? And some people, as I was preparing for the sermon, I had an opportunity to talk to different um, people and get their opinions on the Holy Spirit. And some people believe that the Holy Spirit was for a particular group of people at a particular time for a particular ministry. But I humbly disagree. I think that the Holy Spirit has been imparted for every Christian believer. The Holy Spirit's power is available to everyone regarding, regardless of generation, regardless of gender, regardless of nationality. And I listened to a very interesting podcast by Dr. John Piper recently, and I love listening to him occasionally, a very deep thinker. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit, and what he said is that the Holy Spirit, let me get this right, the Holy Spirit is a vital part of Christian experience, not just a mental exercise or theological understanding. Who knows that sometimes with the Holy Spirit we get caught in the rut of just trying to mentalize and think about and understand the person of the Holy Spirit and exactly how He works and we miss the very gift that He is, the very power that God has given us in our lives to change the people around us, to change us from the inside. 
You know, if we want to be people who walk in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, we need to be aware that He lives within us and that He has given us the power to be an effective witness. A couple of weeks ago, Ben shared a message about the Holy Spirit and it was a rather simple message, but there was something so profound about what he said that I wrestle with it and still continue to wrestle with it to this day. You know, I want to be someone that walks into a situation and have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me change the culture and the climate of the situations that I find myself in. And so the title for today's sermon is How Much More? How much more can we live in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit? How much more can we see our lives be transformed by the working of the Holy Spirit within us? How much more can we see our community transformed by the Holy Spirit that God has given us so freely? How much more? I want my understanding of the Holy Spirit to be more than just a mental exercise. I want my understanding of the Holy Spirit to be an experiential relationship. I want to be walking with the Holy Spirit on a day-to-day, day-to-day, seeing His power and His presence working within and through me. But I'll be honest with you this morning, I don't actually understand that much about the person of the Holy Spirit. I don't have any theological background. I don't have any ministry credentials. I'm not a theologian or scholar. But what I do have is the Spirit and the Word of God. And if we turn to the Word of God, we know that in Ephesians 5, 18, we are reminded by Paul that we need to be continually filled by the Holy Spirit. And it is my prayer that this morning we will receive a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In John 15, verse 16, we see that the Holy Spirit is the advocate. He's the helper. He reminds us about the truth and the life of Jesus and what he taught. We see in Acts chapter 1, verse 7, that we will receive power as his disciples to go out into our community and to witness the life-changing power of God. Not only in our community, but the community around us and even to the ends of the earth. And you know, this last one, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is working within us to produce fruit. And I don't understand how this works because sometimes it seems like there's this war going inside of me between my sinful nature and the Holy Spirit. But by His miraculous power, He produces fruitfulness in us. Galatians 5.22 tells us the fruit of love, kindness, joy. All of this I know, but there are many questions about the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that are a mystery to me. And so as I prayerfully considered, God, what is it that you want to say to us this morning? In light of my ignorance, I just felt the Holy Spirit tell me, take a step back. Gain a different perspective. And what I want to do is show you a quick clip this morning. Aren't kids just such oh, sorry? Aren't kids such a blessing to us? I'm not much of a baby person, but I can tell you that I absolutely adore this toddler age. That sort of two to three, four years, they are just so much fun. 
You could tell that's Matthias, my little son. He's such a goofball. When he struts around the house, he pretends like he owns the place. He has such a limited understanding of how the world works. He's so naive, but he's so full of confidence. And he often thinks that he could just bash up his father and, and scream the house down and get whatever he wants. He just doesn't understand how things work. But that is part of what makes him so adorable. That's part of what makes him so cute. And actually, just recently, um, I was reminded about something which I forgot, um, and that is that kids are so persistent. They're so persistent. In fact, we were sitting at the dining table, and we were all having a nice meal together, and Matthias just refused to eat his vegetables. And so, as good parents, we decided, well, it's time for a bit of an object lesson. We're going to sit here until you have some of your vegetables. And we sat there for a whole hour. And I remember at one stage, it was probably 55 minutes into us sitting at the table. Matthias grabbed a bit of broccoli, looked at it, pulled it close to his mouth, and then threw it across the table. So, I don't know. Anyone who uh, has kids knows what that experience is like. Now, where am I going with all of this? I know, right? If you have your Bible today, we will find the passage of Scripture that we are looking in, Luke 11. Can you open there for me, please? And chapter 5, onwards. Now, as you find um, that passage of Scripture this morning, what I want to do is give you a little bit of a context about where we find ourselves here. In Luke chapter 11, we see that Jesus is hanging out with his disciples In fact, we know that these men that Jesus had been doing life with had seen him in various different contexts and situations. They had seen Jesus heal the sick, calm storms, raise the dead, done amazing things, but yet they knew that he was fully man as well. Being a man, Jesus needed to eat and sleep for his physical health, but being a man, he also needed to pray and spend time in God's presence for his spiritual health. And his disciples knew this. And here in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, we see one of his disciples come to Jesus after he'd been spending a bit of time in secluded prayer. And the disciple asked Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus, being the supreme teacher, what he did is not only tell them, but showed them. And he proceeded to teach the disciples how to pray using the Lord's prayer. And after this uh, situation where Jesus is teaching his disciples, he then goes into this really seemingly obscure analogy that we find in verse 5. And so Luke 11 verse 5, if you can read with me. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go out at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Isn't Jesus being so gracious here? I don't know about you, but if you turned up to my house in the midnight hours when my kids are asleep and you knocked on the door, you would get a much less gracious response from me. 
Let me explain. I know there are some people in this room this morning who have kids and there's others who do not, but I think this following two memes explain it quite clearly. So often people tell me, I'm tired. Don't tell me that if you don't have kids, you have no idea what being tired actually is. And that other one over there, I remember not too long ago when Matthias was a little bit long, younger, he was screaming his way through the night and we, we got really fed up. And I said, just take him. So what happened with Ethan was whenever I put him in the car, he'd just fall asleep. And I thought, look, this is a great idea. Pop Matthias in the backseat of the car and off we went to Bribie. And this is 2 o'clock in the morning, but unfortunately, all the way there, he screamed. And then all the way back, he screamed. And the moment we hopped out of the car, he fell asleep. So... In the end, it worked, but it wasn't, it wasn't that great for his father, who needed earplugs after that. Kids, what a blessing they are. You know, there's a, a, a comedian by the name of Michael McIntyre, and he talks a little bit about the plight of uh, parents, and we might have a look at that now. And all the parents said, Amen. Isn't it crazy? That very story is us every morning getting ready for school. Just, it's amazing how crazy life can become, but also how, how fantastic with kids. Now, I don't want to labour the point here, but what I'm trying to say is we can see from a bit of comedy how ridiculous this request is from this friend who approaches their friend at midnight with kids trying to sleep. And I think Jesus nails it on the head here when he says, he refers to this act as shameless audacity. It really is a very peculiar request considering the time of evening and the circumstances surrounding it. Look, if you need a loaf of bread, feel free to come to my house anytime between the hours of 6am and 8pm. But let me tell you, if you come after 8pm and you wake the little gremlins, there's going to be problems. In any case... Let us continue here in verse 9. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Ask, seek, knock. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Isn't there something about the scripture which speaks to persistence? You know, there's another passage in the book of Luke. In fact, Luke chapter 18, verse 1 to 8, Jesus shares a very interesting story about a widow who is seeking justice from a corrupt and unjust judge. And when Jesus goes on to explain this story about this widow who is seeking justice, he says that this judge has no intention of actually providing this widow with any justice. But because of her persistence, because she keeps going to him day after day after day, something changes in this man's heart and he just goes, well, I better do something just to get rid of her, just so she stops bothering me. And isn't it interesting the correlation between these two passages in Luke, Luke 18 and Luke 11, and it's this. How much more? How much more 
Would the God who created us, who knew us intimately, give us justice if we come to Him? If an unjust judge, if a corrupt judge would give a widow justice if she is persistent? God hears our persistent prayers. Let us continue then in the book of Luke, chapter 11, verse 11 to 13. Which of you fathers, if your sons ask for fish, will give them a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I wonder if we can hear the heartbeat of heaven this morning. How much more will our Heavenly Father give us the Holy Spirit when we ask Him? It's a matter of perspective. This morning, Hope Point, I want to tell you that we don't need to understand everything about the Holy Spirit. If we want to live in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, all we need to do is come as His children, at His throne, at His feet, sit in His lap and ask, and He is faithful to give us good gifts, to give us His Holy Spirit. You know, I showed a little clip about Matthias earlier, and he's sort of fumbling around and playing. And, and you know, the thing that makes Matthias so adorable is the fact that he's got this sense of confidence. You know, there are times when we're playing outside and playing on playgrounds and without even thinking about it, he'll just leap off into my arms. And it's that blind faith, that faith that his father will catch him, which just draws us closer together, which builds our connection. And he trusts me completely. If he knew the risks of what he was doing, he would probably never take that action. But he has a blind faith. He has that trust that his father loves him, that his father will protect him, that his father will catch him. In this morning, Hope Point, I want to tell you that our father is standing with his arms wide open, ready to catch us. Whatever circumstance that we find ourselves in. You know, I wonder if God's sitting up in heaven with Jesus this morning, just looking down and going, geez, Adrian's fumbling and mumbling around trying to tell everyone about our Holy Spirit. Isn't he just the cutest? He's got no idea what he's talking about, but he's just so adorable. And it's a bit of a hit to our ego, right? I don't like being called adorable or cute, but I am the apple of my father's eye. You are the apple of your father's eye and he just loves you so much. I just want you to grasp that this morning. Your father wants to pour out his Holy Spirit upon you because he loves you immensely. It's an act of love. You know, another passage of Scripture which I find so fascinating, I love this passage, but it's just tremendously confronting, is in the book of Job. And here in the book of Job, chapter 38, we see Job is a man who's been through tremendous suffering. 
He's been a man who's had tremendous loss and he's on his knees. He's sitting in a pile of ash and his life can literally not get any worse. And he's saying, God, why me? What have I done? God, do you know what you're doing? God, where are you in my circumstance? What are you doing? God, answer my prayer. Be careful what you wish for. In verse 38, the very God who created the universe, that is a picture of the helix, nebula, and eye. Right about the right shape for God's eye, maybe a little bit small. Containing thousands and thousands of solar systems and planets. The God of the universe who holds us in the palm of his hand, who can measure the stretch of eternity, tells Job, Brace yourself like a man. Just start shaking at the knees when I read that. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Truth be told, Point, I can't begin to understand the nature and the working of a creator God who can shape and fashion the universe as he has. And you know, I don't think that we were meant to. But what I do know is that this very same God, the God who is all-powerful, is the same God who promised that if I come, if I ask If I knock, if I seek, He will bless me with His Holy Spirit. He will pour His Holy Spirit upon us. It's a promise. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Can we grasp what's being said here this morning? Have we, as parents who have faults, who fail, who are selfish, who lose our temper, who get so easily frustrated with our kids, know how to bless our kids, how much more will a God who is perfect, a God who has never been unjust or selfish in his chastising, a God, in fact, who humbled himself to come to earth and subject himself to wrath on a cross on our behalf, how much more would that Father not give us good gifts? Hope point, if we want to move in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, we don't need a 10-step guide. We don't need five points on how to receive a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. This morning, I want to tell you that what we need to do is just come. God is just saying, come. And we heard it before, even before I came up here this morning. There's a calling from God this morning to come. Come with your baggage. Come with with every circumstance. Come with every problem. Come with every victory. Come with every situation and lay it before his feet because he is a good father and he cares. And he wants to bless us this morning and wants to give us a fresh outpouring for our Holy Spirit. And here's the thing. It's not just for us, Hope Point. It's for our city. It's for the person next door. It's for the person that I work with that doesn't know that God loves them. 
and then they can be set free from that addiction that they are going through. They can be healed from that affliction that they're finding in themselves. How much more will the Father in heaven give his Holy Spirit to those who ask? As I conclude this morning, I want to tell you a little bit of a story. It's about how God has been working through the Holy Spirit in a powerful way in my life. I organise a rugby league competition for schools on the north side of Brisbane and it's something that I've been doing for the last couple of years. And in fact, over the last five years of running this competition, I've never had so much challenge in organising a competition as I had this year. To give you a little bit of an example, it was a Sunday night. We usually play our fixtures on Monday afternoons. One Sunday night, I received an email from one of the clubs who host uh, the games at their fields. And they said, yeah, over the weekend, it's really weird, this never happened before. Someone from council accidentally left on the sprinklers and completely flooded the field. So... Um, yeah, all those games you were going to play here at our fields, it's not going to happen. And so we just had to reschedule that, and there was quite a bit of stress trying to organise that. A lot of schools, a lot of kids involved. But things managed to get worse. The, the following week, um, we had a bit of an incident on the field between two rival schools, and kids got a little bit uh, touchy on the field, let's just put it that way. And it ended up spilling off the field, and we had an incident where by a spectator had an incident with a student, and I can't go into too many details with that, but needless to say, it became a very dangerous situation very, very quickly. Now, praise God, after a few moments of madness, it all sort of subsided and no one was seriously injured, but it left me with this tremendous mess that I had to deal with, and in my 10 years of actually organising various different sporting events, I've never come across a situation like this before. And so needless to say, it's been a couple of really stressful weeks with lots of paperwork and a bit of legal stuff and whatnot involved to try and get that all sorted. But you know, I came to a realisation that even though I'd been prayerful in the organisation implementation of this competition, and the whole point of this competition is actually to have a bunch of schools participate in league in a positive way that is maybe contradictory to some peop- the way people see league a little bit, but didn't quite work out that way. But I found myself just responding to these situations out of fear and an anxiety. And I just, I was really struggling with some of the physical symptoms, in fact. I get really bad heartburn and a lot of that sort of stuff going on. And I remember thinking, I just want to dig myself a hole, particularly during this incident. I just want to hide. Is there somewhere I can run to just get away from this massive problem that I'm facing? I don't know. If there's anyone else in this room who's ever felt that, maybe someone else today who's going through something in their life where they just don't see a way out. There's no escape for them. And then I heard Ben's word and something changed inside of me and it was a switch of perspective. And even though it took a little bit of intentionality on my part, it just was so natural. When I saw myself as God's son, as I saw myself as the apple of his eye, as I saw myself as someone who is a bearer of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And no longer do I need to respond to the situation with fear and anxiety. I have authority because it has been given to me by my Father.
And as convener of this competition, I had a responsibility to actually sort this whole mess out. And what we had to do is organise a bit of a meeting between the involved individual and talk about some repercussions or disciplinary actions of what was going to occur. And you know, approaching this meeting in my natural self from a professional perspective, I was really worried about the legal repercussions of what was coming out. But I really felt a strong sense from the Holy Spirit to pray that this meeting would be about reconciliation and forgiveness rather than repercussions. And so I spent a bit of time praying about that and just believing that even though this situation looked hopeless, even though it looked like this was going to be a very negative situation, that God's Spirit would intervene, that the Holy Spirit would do something and change the atmosphere in that meeting. And I can tell you that when we entered the meeting, it lasted a whole of five minutes because miraculously, something had happened with this particular spectator. And as they came to the meeting, they just said, look, before we start, I just want to say something. I just want to get something off my chest. And they proceeded to confess and, and, and uh, take responsibility for their actions and saying that they realized what they had done shouldn't have been done. And they were willing to take whatever steps were necessary to achieve reconciliation. And you know, the funny thing is what they suggested, the steps that they suggested themselves were the very steps that we were going to put in place or try and enforce. It was one of those moments where you're just gobsmacked by God. It's like the Holy Spirit had grabbed this person before they had even entered the room and done something on the inside and completely changed the atmosphere of that meeting. Instead of being a meeting about punishment and repercussions, it became about reconciliation and forgiveness. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within each of us to take those insurmountable situations and transform them. Take something that the enemy is meant for evil and turn it for good. Take a situation where we cannot see a way forward and part the sea. That is the God that we serve. That is the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And so if I can get the band up this morning. Earlier this morning, Hope, when I told you that I don't know much about the Holy Spirit, but what I do know is that if we approach our Heavenly Father as children and He is faithful, that He is faithful to provide for us. And there might be some of us this morning which say, sure, Adrian, it's easy for you to say, you don't know what I am going through. You don't know what the doctor had to say on Monday morning. You don't know what my family is going through. You don't know what our bank account looks like. But this morning, I want to tell you that your heavenly Father sees you in the midst of whatever it is that you are finding yourself in, and He cares, and He is so desperate. In fact, He challenges us. Try me. Test me and see. Come and ask. Seek. Ask. Knock. You know, we believe as Hope Point Church that we all have received the Holy Spirit. The moment where we became a Christian, there was a supernatural exchange which happened whereby our sins was taken by Jesus and he replaced something amazing, this gift of the Holy Spirit within our lives. We all believe that. 
But we also know here from the book of Ephesians that it is a continual process of being filled by the Holy Spirit that is so necessary for us if we want to walk in power and His presence. And so this morning, what I'm going to ask us to do is very simple. I just want us to, in some way, respond to the calling of our Heavenly Father to come and just sit at His feet and receive. And so if you can join me, all I want you to do is just put your arms out ready to receive. And I just love that image of the little girl in the field. All ambitions aside, all worries aside, just running into the glorious radiance of God. And that's our Heavenly Father this morning. He just wants to bless you. He just wants to bless you in your circumstance. He just wants to give you a fresh outpouring for your holy, of His Holy Spirit. And so if you feel so inclined, as the music's playing, you can stand, you can sit. I don't care, but this is an opportunity for you to do business with the Father that loves you immensely and wants to give you a good gift. God would say, taste and see. Taste and see my goodness this morning. Whatever is that thing that is stopping you from coming to the lap of the Father, be released from it in Jesus' name. Whatever chain it is that is holding you back, be loose in the name of Jesus this morning, we pray. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of the Father. There is nothing that can stop you this morning from receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit but you. Come as you are. Come with everything that you've got. And this morning as we sing this chorus again, nothing else matters. Nothing else is of value but spending time in His presence, at His feet, at His throne. And God promises us, how much more will He outpour His Holy Spirit upon us? How much more will He change our community? How much more will He build fruit in our lives which are productive for His kingdom's sake? Come, come, come as you are this morning.